This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the show, we welcome Abby Brayman, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. With a focus on the health of the Pearl River Basin, the Pearl River Keeper is a new licensed member of the Water Keeper Alliance, the largest nonprofit focused solely on clean water. We'll talk about the work they're doing to keep the Pearl River clean, Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions, and we always like to hear your brushes with wildlife. So give us a call to join the conversation this morning. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. You always have two chances to hear Creature Comforts each week. It airs Thursday mornings at 9 and Saturday mornings at 6. Wanted to check the clock, make sure I had that correct. <laughs> so good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So Libby, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Welcome back first. And I Thank know uh, from we were chatting here before the show started, you've got a, a number of uh, things to talk about. Uh, yes, there's a lot going on. You know, fall to me is the best time of year to get outdoors. And we're going to have a little bit of fall creeping in here the next few days. Uh, Sunday is the last day to see the Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibit at the Natural Science Museum in Jackson. So it'll be a big weekend there. That'll be good to get in. And Tuesdays and Fridays, so tomorrow at 10 o'clock, fish feedings. Just a reminder, those happen all the time. And then on Sunday afternoons at 2 o'clock, they always have those fish feedings. And this is one that... um, I hate that I won't be able to make September the 15th. You could do that before or after the cleanup, I guess, at 11 a.m. on the nature trails there at LaFleur's Bluff. They're having a spider nature walk mm. to identify all those spiders and learn about what they eat and kind of the the good job spiders do taken out. You know, we talk about bats eating mosquitoes, but spiders catch a lot of mosquitoes, too. So they're... They're kind of a, a friendly animal if you can get past the the, 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 <laughs> the creepiness. Yeah, the creepy. <laughs> you just don't want it. You just don't want that spider web on your face. Yeah. Uh, just a quick update. I think last week on the show I mentioned that I actually had been bitten by what I thought was a spider, uh, but apparently it was a it was not anything that's completely cleared up and gone away. So it mm-hmm. wasn't any kind of tick or any other thing or any of the bad spiders. But uh, I, I I must have brushed by. Where it wanted to be, and it uh, it didn't like that, so it uh, it stung me. Well, I, I don't know, a bite, but it, to me it was more of a sting because it was kind of a, a stinging sensation. Yeah, Dr. Gailey says we just wrongly blame those spiders, remember? <laughs> well, that's true. So something out there, but fortunately it was not, uh, yeah. and uh, it, it, like itched for a little way uh, a couple of days, but I, I noticed uh, the other day that it's completely gone, no no ill effects. So, good, good. Uh, and again, I'm, uh, I'm the same way with uh, any creature that's going to eat up bugs like that, I, bring them on. Yeah, I'm trying to think what could eat up chiggers. I've had bad encounters <laughs> lately with the chiggers, yeah. We'll have to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, fortunately, Mississippi dodged for the most part the ill effects of Tropical Storm Gordon. 
Um, but uh, it's uh, the, getting to be an active uh, time for hurricanes. Uh, people on the Gulf Coast most concerned about that, but uh, other parts of Mississippi as well, as we've uh, witnessed here, the after effects of tropical storms and hurricanes can sometimes affect the inland part of Mississippi as well. So, Dr. Major, we kind of talked about this before, but what are some general guidelines when it's severe weather, maybe not necessarily related to a hurricane, but uh, severe weather out there, heavy thunderstorms, and pets getting a little bit nervous? Uh, what are some things that we can keep in mind to keep our pets safe and happy during these uh, times? You know, there's a wide range of uh, reactions to thunderstorms. We do see a lot of uh, dogs especially that uh, – become quite nervous and a lot of it has to do with changes in barometric pressure uh and they can tell you when a thunderstorm is coming when it's still miles away a lot of times uh one of the things you can do is provide a safe place uh for the pet uh some dogs respond to tranquilizer some of them have to be tranquilized others uh you've heard of thunder shirt Mm -hmm. Uh, swaddling, if you will, uh, that helps a lot of dogs. Uh, it doesn't; it's not a long-term thing, but when you know a thunderstorm is coming, certainly that does help some dogs. Uh, we have some dogs that are outside normally, and when thunderstorms or even fireworks happen or bad weather, um, they really become quite uh, anxious and want to come inside. So. Uh, some of these actually do need some uh, some medication uh, to help uh, keep from hurting themselves or property. Uh, but also I would say if, if it's a severe weather that you're dealing with and you have maybe a garage or some sort of covered area and it's an, a dog that's primarily outside, again, might be a good idea to give and find a nice safe spot for him, uh, maybe in the garage or a, a utility room, that sort of thing. Right. And the other thing to remember uh, with hurricane season coming, uh, which is here, but... Uh, do have your uh, pet health records mm-hmm. uh, and a carrier if if you have a carrier that your pet can fit in, but also some form of identification on your pet, uh, even a collar with an ID on it, uh, but also microchip uh, certainly helps to identify your pet in case it gets lost for some reason. And uh, it's, it's bad when you're worried about your pet and then uh, you have a... Uh, catastrophe if you will or some disaster and you don't know where it went so it is it is good to have some sort of identification and i do recommend a microchip and uh i've discovered that uh when it's severe weather and uh you know the the tornado warning goes off and you have to hunker down in the in the safe spot in your house i felt felt a little bit safer although my cat doesn't particularly like it of getting the cat carry out and putting him in there until uh, the warning goes away, because I'm always afraid of, you know, if if we got to go somewhere, I don't want to have to run around, you know, chasing him around. So like I say, he's not real happy about being put in there, but I feel uh, that we're both a lot safer till we ride out um, any kind of like tornado warning uh, or, you know, kind of severe weather situation. Right. Uh, we've got a couple of phone calls to get to, but one uh, pet email here to start us off. It says, I have a four-month-old bloodhound puppy. She's a sweet dog. We have her house trained for the most part. She's also good about sleeping in her kennel as we live in town and don't want to leave her outside at night. The only behavioral problem she has is nipping at our hands. She wants attention, but when it's given, she gets super excited and then tries to nip our hands. Will she grow out of this, or what can we do to possibly prevent this behavior? You certainly need to discourage it. You need to take her mind away from that. Uh, 
and some people may disagree with this, but a good sharp thump on the nose, a lot of times when Pet is trying to nip you, uh, they will get the message. Uh, there are people that can help you with, with training, but do not encourage this. And one of the things I discourage is playing tug-of-war type thing uh, with your dog. A lot of times that encourages them to become a little bit more aggressive and, and bite. But if you can discourage and reward for not nipping, uh, whether it's a small treat, I'm sure a bloodhound would appreciate a treat. Uh, but if you can reward a good behavior and scold bad behavior. These dogs, I mean, we have a puppy right now, and uh, she she knows that she's not supposed to bite. And uh, you don't have to be cruel. You don't have to do anything, but you need to be firm. And they need to know where they are in the, quote, pack at home. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, we've got a one phone call to get to before our first break, so let's talk to our buddy Timothy in Louisiana. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, y'all. Good morning, y'all. I'm looking forward to the Riverkeeper thing, but I got a question about my raccoons. I got raccoon friends. I got a female and her two little ones. I've had the female living sort of, well, she's just a friend, you know, she comes to eat and that sort of thing. But I don't let her in the house or nothing. But recently, we've had very low water on the bayou, and I think I think she got a, a fish hook in her hand. I saw something bright. You know, she only comes at night, and uh, when I and she's been favoring her left paw. I wonder if there's some way to sedate her so that I can take her to a vet and see if she can, you know, get that taken care of. Good question, and sounds like she's. Uh pretty friendly, that sort of thing. But Oh, yes, I, I, I could pet her before this happened. I would suggest not trying to sedate her before you take her, but actually use a carrier. If you can feed her in a carrier for a few days, get her used to going in there, and then uh-huh. take, take her to the vet in a carrier and let them sedate her. I think that would be the best. All but, right. But if you have a carrier that's big enough that you can feed her, uh, entice her to go in, and then uh, you can close the door, and I think that would work. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to your riverkeeper thing because I used to be part of the American riverkeeper out in California. All right. Oh, great. And Timothy, I know the yeah. work that, you know, uh, has been done all across the country. It's all great right. to see it coming south. Great. Hey, Timothy, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We need to take our first break, but when we get back, we will begin our discussion with Abby Brayman, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. Uh, you can call in with questions and comments this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And since we're talking about the Pearl River, some Pearl River trivia for you this morning. Our first question, where does the Pearl River form? We'll have that answer for you and much more after this break on Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is Abby Brayman, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. They focus on the health of the Pearl River Basin and are the newest licensed member of the Water Keeper Alliance, the largest nonprofit focused solely on clean water. So we'll talk to Abby about the work they do to keep the Pearl River clean. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions, and we always like to hear your brushes with wildlife as well. The number to call, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email the show 
Uh, it's animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we asked you a question about the Pearl River. Where does it form? It forms in Neshoba County at the confluence of the Nanawaya and the Tallahaga Creeks. So we'll be having a couple more trivia questions for you. So if you want to play along at home, uh, just stay tuned and see how much you know about the Pearl River. So, Abby, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. If you would, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Yes. So um, I grew up in New Jersey, love the outdoors, love uh, the ocean, love uh, rivers. And uh, so I went to University of South Carolina and I majored in marine science. While I was there, I had an ROTC scholarship from the Navy, and so when I graduated, I was commissioned as an ensign, and I went on to a flight school, and I flew H-60 helicopters for about 10 years. Oh, wow. That sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, tell us what Pearl River Keeper is all about. Yes, so Pearl River Keeper is a local nonprofit dedicated to protecting and defending the Pearl River watershed. And as you said, we're a member of Waterkeeper Alliance. Uh, Waterkeep- the first Waterkeeper Alliance member was Riverkeeper up on the Hudson River. And it was just formed by a bunch of blue-collar fishermen who were sick of the Hudson River getting polluted. And it was affecting their way of life and their living. So uh, they were the first ones. Now we have over 300 uh, globally, protecting 2.5 million square miles of waterways on six continents. And Pearl River Keeper, I am proud to say, is the first one in Mississippi. All right. Uh, so why do you think it's important uh, on the local organization to be a part of this larger group, the, the Water Keeper Alliance? Well, it's a way to... Um, combine our efforts with the efforts that are going around all around the world because we're all interconnected. For example, our Pearl River runs all the way down into Lake Bourne and then the Mississippi Sound and the Gulf of Mexico. So everything we do here in the Jackson area is eventually going to flow downriver and impact our other waterways. So that's why it's important that we all work together. Uh, and I think, you know, when you, we talk a lot about things, um, and I think around the city of Jackson on some of the gutters, there's, you know, like don't don't put wastewater in here, that sort of thing. And I think you're right. A lot of people don't realize how kind of interconnected all of our waterways around the globe are, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And what brought me to Pearl River Keeper was basically trash. So I got sick of seeing, uh, you know, I love to hike, I love to kayak, and I got sick of seeing the plastic pollution that was impacting our waterways here in this area. And so I started a little social media campaign and posting pictures of my own localized cleanups. People started posting their pictures. Um, I got hooked up with a gal who lives in Pearl River, Louisiana. Uh, She runs Honey Island Kayaks. Um, and she's been doing cleanups down there for the past six or seven years. And uh, she contacted me and said, hey, I see you're cleaning up there. Let's do a – I'll do my cleanup on my day in September. You do your cleanup up there. And uh, so we advertised it. Within two months, we had 30 locations, not just two. We went from two to 30. And one of them was up at the headwaters that you mentioned up in Nanawaya, which is actually um, the headwaters is where the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, the only federally recognized Indian tribe in Mississippi, is up there at the headwaters of the Pearl River. So we had a team up there, and we had site leaders all the way down through the Ross Barnett Reservoir all the way to Pearlington on the Gulf Coast. And we actually had a 1,000 people come out and help us clean up the waterways, and we cleaned 30. 4,000 pounds of trash out that day. So tell us uh, an an idea of how how do you clean up a river? Is it just working along the shore? Do you get out into the channel? Give us an idea of what it's like when you're doing one of your cleanups. Well, it was really cool that day because we had people from all walks of life. So we had fishermen with boats. We had our kayakers out there. We had a couple different organizations like um, 
locally in Jackson, we had Pearl River Kayaks and um, Capital City Kayaks, Honey Island Kayaks, um, donated their rentals to us for the day. So we had a lot of people out on the water. We had a great crew from Heinz Community College in Pelahatchee Bay who had never even kayaked before, some of them, that were out there on kayaks cleaning up trash in the reservoir area. Um, we also had um, we had land-based cleanups. We had the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, um, all different walks of life. And so it was really neat to see the pictures coming in from all around the watershed of everybody pulling together and working together for clean water. And I think maybe as a way to illustrate, again, the importance of not littering and, and, and being mindful of, of waste and trash, can you give me an idea of, of some of the things that you find when you clean up the river? <laughs> yes, we did find some crazy things, and we did have a Weirdest Trash Award. Um, we did have somebody pulled a Jeep, oh, gosh. <laughs> a literal Jeep, out of the river. We found a bear skull, so that was kind of cool. Um, let's see, uh, a toilet bowl, um, a refrigerator. So a lot of random things, but really what we find, and I want to encourage people um, to stop using, is styrofoam cups and single-use plastic water bottles. They are literally everywhere. So if you can get yourself mm-hmm. a reusable water bottle and ask your local restaurants to stop using styrofoam, then you would cut out on a majority of our trash. Okay. Uh, We're going to be talking to Abby throughout the hour. So if you have a question about the work of the Pearl River Keeper, if you have a pet question, or if you want to talk, tell us about your brush with wildlife, please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. On the line, we have Jeremy, who's called in from Brookhaven. Jeremy, you're on the line with us. Go ahead, please. Uh, Yeah, I was just wanting to know if you could talk a little about the One Lake Project and um, I guess my question is, how how is it legal for them to destroy all those wetlands and uh, stop the flow of the Pearl River in such a massive way just for development? Yes, we do have concerns about the One Lake Project as well. And one of the concerns we have is that it would destroy um, 1,500 acres of wetlands. And, of course, as you know, those are important um, We have over 31 species of turtles, over 40 species of mussels, over 130 species of fish um, in Mississippi. We are completely rich in biodiversity, and we want to protect that. Um, Some of the cool things that you see on the river are um, our gulf sturgeon, which are an endangered species. They're like a living dinosaur. So basically they have bony plates on their sides instead of scales, and they can grow to be eight feet long and 300 pounds. So these things are um, amazing. They migrate all the way from the Gulf of Mexico and up the Pearl River. Um, so we want to keep the Pearl River free and free running um, without impoundments on it so that this fish can um, do what it normally does to migrate all the way up our river uh, to spawn. We have other amazing creatures like the Freckleberry Mad Tom, which is a cute, adorable little um, black and brown mottled fish. Um, and there's a study being done right now by Mac- Magner at Mississippi Museum of Natural Science um, This little guy prefers um, rocky shoals, and um, sediment created by another impoundment on the river, again, could cause um, destruction of that little creature's habitat. That 
little guy is fascinating because he just looks like a harmless little fish. I was recently out doing some um, sampling and testing uh, to see where these all are located, and they have razor-sharp pectoral fins with neurotoxins in them. So when we were handling these fish, one of the guys, one of the interns, got stabbed by the pectoral fin of a... of this little fish and uh, had an extremely um, not happy rest of the afternoon. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's really amazing creatures. We have um, the Pearl River map turtle, um, the ringed map turtle. Um, these little guys are endemic to the pearl, meaning they're found nowhere else in the world. So they are extremely fascinating. Um, the one cool thing about this species is they are one of less than 20 species in the world that eats freshwater sponges, which sounds kind of weird, but, but less you think about it, less than 20 species in the entire world can eat these little freshwater sponges. And the reason that normal species don't eat these is because they're, it's like eating glass because they have all kind of tiny little particles inside of them. So, um, again, something that we want to protect is our biodiversity that we are blessed with here in Mississippi. And I would say that uh, one way that people can get involved in, in this type of thing, if that if you have concerns about a project like the One Lake Project, to contact your elected representatives. That's what they're there for. They represent us in both uh, state and federal government. And so, uh, you know, that's one way that you can really add your voice to the conversation. If you have some concerns, I would say do some research so that you, you know, that you know what you're talking about, but certainly, uh, you know, contact your elected official and let them know uh, what your thoughts are on that. Yes, and thank you for that call. One um, one more point on that as far as contacting your elected officials. Today is the last day of the public comment period on the One Lake Project. So if you are interested in making a comment, um, you can go to the Rankin-Hines Pearl River Flood and Drainage Control District um, website, or it's rankinhines at gmail.com, and you can comment directly to them so your voice will be heard. All right, well, great. That was very timely then. Super. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Morris is in Senatobia. Morris, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Well, I'm here to talk about critters, but I'm sure enjoying uh, listening to the efforts that are going into cleaning up the waterways, and I think that's just terrific. Uh, the, the trash in Mississippi really is a personal issue with me, and I, I can't stand the way people throw their trash out. So, But in any event, I've got a problem with moles, and I just kind of was hoping you might have someone around there that uh, I put some sod in my yard, and it's been down now for pretty well the the year so far, put it down in the spring, and um, I'm having a dickens of a time with moles, and they're getting under under the sod and really um, causing me lots of difficulties and and also uh, damaging the sod. And I was wondering if there may be a quick solution for how to get rid of them other than trying to get rid of grub worms, which is what I've tried, and, and it hasn't worked so far. Oh, gosh. Moles are hard to get rid of, and um, it's... And, and you know how destructive they are. We've we've talked a lot about various things, and we may throw this one out to callers if you've had success with getting rid of moles lately. Uh, there are a lot of things that there are a lot of cautions about using poisons for moles. You know, they, anything that's going to kill a mole is going to harm your dogs or your cats or your children or anything else in the ecosystem. And I know that there are, I've seen online a lot of different kind of gizmos that um, are weird little traps that you drive into the ground close to the tunnels. Have you seen those? And yes. I've, I've had some people say that they've had some success with those. So I'd be interested in any callers. Troy, have you got anything to add? Uh, 
you know, it, it is a problem. Two things to think about. Number one, rather than actually killing the moles, the uh, uh, things that vibrate in the ground, mm-hmm. that seems yeah. to work in some cases. The other thing, of course, this involves killing the mole, would be a couple of Jack Russell Terriers <laughs> and give them a job. But, I, yeah, that, they would tear up the yard trying to get to the moles. I understand that. So uh, probably it would be good to call in a specialist. There are people that uh, work with uh, wildlife and relocation of wildlife as opposed to uh, killing them. But it may be I would discourage the poison because we have seen some dogs get poisoned from mole bait, and it's not very pretty. Yeah, and that it can last for a good yeah. long time. Okay, and then again, I would imagine, yeah. too, we're talking about effects on the environment as well. So Yeah, you just don't want to put something out there that you don't know where it's going to end up or what's going to come along to get it, yeah. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's time for another break. We are visiting today with Abby Brayman, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. So we're talking about the work that her group does keeping the Pearl River clean for all of us to enjoy. We're also sharing a little bit of Pearl River trivia. So our next question, we talked about where it begins in Neshoba County. How long is the Pearl River? We'll have that answer for you and much more after this. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Abby Brayman, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. Uh, They help keep the Pearl River clean so all of us can enjoy, and we're talking a little bit about the work uh, that Abby and her group does. So if you have a question about that, you can call us. Also, Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions, and if you've had a brush with wildlife you'd like to share, give us a call. A reminder of the phone number, it's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we asked you how long the Pearl River was. If you guessed 490 miles, you would be correct. And if I also remember from the study I did before the show, uh, the last little bit of the Pearl River is actually the border between Louisiana and Mississippi. Am I right? Yes, okay. that is correct. All um, right. Um, let's, uh, let's get some phone calls. We'll begin again uh, in Beaumont. Sue is on the line. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. It's so good to hear all of y'all back together again. Thank you. The whole bunch. <laughs> hey, Sue. I want to ask Abby. First of all, Abby, dear Abby, thank you and your group, your saints, for keeping the rivers, trying, trying to keep them cleaned up. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to ask you, you know anything about the Leaf River? I sure don't, so tell me about it. Well, uh, the Leaf River, the Leaf and the Chickasahay, the confluence of those rivers formed the Pascagoula River, which is a very important water system there. But decades ago, a, a paper plant built a, uh, a treatment facility. I mean, they built a processing facility there on the Leaf River at New Augusta, and they pumped their effluent into the river and contaminated it with docks. And so the Leaf River, I wouldn't eat a tadpole out of the Leaf River, much less a catfish, because they're bottom feeders, and they could eat some of that docks and contaminated detritus on the bottom of the river so do you do you know anything about how polluted the rivers are not only with trash but 
people treat rivers like sewers, and so it, it, what else is going on in the in the water systems there? Yes, well, thanks very much for the call, and thanks for um, mentioning that. Um, we do have a tributary that runs into the Pearl River called the Yakanukani, and you can't fe- eat any fish out of that river because it's contaminated with mercury and PCBs. Um, so you can tell, you know, we are doing better now with our permitting of that's called point source pollution from the, some of these uh, plants, um, and they're monitored very well by Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality now. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, things that happened back in the 60s or even earlier could still be in- impacting our waterways now. So that's why we need organizations like Riverkeeper and people like you to keep an eye on it for us. So thanks very much. All right, you know, the Leaf River really needs a Riverkeeper project, too. It's a beautiful river. I've, I went to school at USM many years ago and spent a lot of time in that drainage. It's a, a beautiful river. Yes. yes, and we can get some, um, you know, all it takes is somebody to take it on as a restoration project. And the Pascagoula is just a fabulous river, and it's one of our only rivers without an impoundment on it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the One Lake Project or damming, um, impoundments are very harmful to rivers, and the Pascagoula is free-running, so it's a wonderful river. And, you know, a, a, one part of your Riverkeeper projects, isn't it, is um, water quality, and volunteers can be trained to do chemical testing of water, which is not real difficult for specific chemicals so that you could kind of keep track of of what's still in the river. That would be interesting to do, um, have a kind of a long-term study in the leaf if anybody wants to volunteer to do that. Yes, exactly. Um, in Mississippi, there are... Um it's we are rich again in natural resources and in our waterways, but Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality cannot cover them all. So we have started a project here on the Pearl River called a Clean Water Team, and we started. The first thing we did was we got trained in bacteriological testing. So we were doing bacteria testing on the Ross Barnett Reservoir, and we had a fabulous crew of volunteers that got tested, um, that got trained to do this water quality testing, and they were doing weekly testing to um, on the Ross Barnett Reservoir to let people know whether it was safe to swim. Um, we also can do um, water chemistry training and get people trained up on sampling their watersheds monthly. And the way the benefit of that is that you can develop a trend and find out whether your water quality, what's the quality now, and is it going, is it improving or is it getting worse? So. All right, uh, Sue, thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. So I want to kind of take off from there uh, talking about ways that people can get involved. And first, I'd say if Sue or someone in the area along the Leaf River wants to become maybe a part of River Keepers, would they contact the, the national organization? How would you go about trying to get something locally started? Yes. So what I did is I went to Waterkeeper Alliance, and you have to apply for membership with them. Um, once you get your membership with them, I also got my own 501c3, which is nonprofit status locally. Um, so it's a great process, and they would love to, more people to take this on a grassroots level and citizen le- level. So um, they're always looking for new rivers to be taken on. Uh, so that's definitely something to, something that you can look into. Um, also, there are organizations statewide like um, Adopt-A-Stream, um, and there's another organization, Dr. Beth, Beth Baker with Mississippi State Extension Services, working on getting us a Mississippi Water Stewards Program so that even if you are not the leaf river keeper, you could get trained to do testing on your river and be testing it monthly. And a lot of places uh, 
all over the uh, United States are doing this where they just have volunteers that are going out and keeping track. Um, and the de Departments of Environmental Quality save a lot of money, and they can also be warned ahead of time. Um, you know, maybe they're not able to be testing this continually, but they can be warned ahead of time by citizens of something, a problem. And again, so volunteers, maybe specifically with Pearl Riverkeeper, you mentioned the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts uh, on the on the river cleanups. I imagine any kind of school group, church group, that kind of thing, civic organization. Uh, what are some of the other things that that you could use volunteer help with? Okay, so we have a clean water team. So you can adopt your little section of the river, your tributary, the creek that runs through your backyard, whatever it is. It's all one big watershed, and it all leads down into the river and then the Gulf of Mexico. So uh, you can adopt your neighborhood street if you want because uh, there's a storm drain there, I'm sure, and it'll lead to our, our tributary. So um, you can, um, again, you can choose that section. And all we ask is that you go out and monitor it four times a year and just report on any pollution issues or any um, things that you might see. Um, also do a crap trash cleanup twice a year. Um, you can get certified, as we talked about, in the water quality testing. Um, I have a little hashtag called Take Two Miss. Uh, take the number two and then M-I-S-S. And it's real simple. I started it on Instagram. We actually have over 4,000 posts on Instagram using this little hashtag now, and it means pick up two pieces of trash from Mississippi. And so you can do that literally any time and any day. So um, it's really cool. And then people get a kick out of it. You know, they post and they're proud of themselves that, hey, you know, let me know what they did in their neighborhood or their their area. Um, daily. So that's one thing you can do as well. You know, I think that's, uh, um, that's kind of a strange uh, um, tangent, but you know, <clears throat> when we talk about supporting uh, MPB radio, when we have our member drives, I think a lot of people think, well, what can one person do? I can only send in X amount of dollars. And it's a similar sort of thing. Someone might say, well, you know, this is a big problem here. What can I do? But something very simple is picking up two pieces of trash. You know, if if everybody does that, it, the, the effects compound. And so I guess that's really where these kind of things start at the grassroots level. And that's there's a lot of strength in that. Right, exactly. And you don't have to wait till the pro over clean sleep cleanup day. You can be doing it uh, continually. And the nice thing about social media is you can let other people know. Like I thought, you know, I was the only weird person that was out <laughs> on my dog walks collecting trash. But when you find out on social media, well, there's tons of people all over the world that are doing this as well. There's actually something called plogging which was developed actually in Europe. And this is people that go out and they jog and they collect trash while they're on their, on their jogs. So. And you don't have to be along the river because, like we've said, all the land in the really this tri-county area pretty much anywhere you live, you can pick it up off your street. Mm -hmm. Particularly that's important to do before these big rain events. We've already had some, but we're going to have more rain coming. If you see trash particularly you know, along the, the curb lines on streets, all of that's going into the river when the next big rain. So, you you know, you can pick it up on your own street. If you've got little kids, you can get out there with the trash bag and right. teach them and if what you're, to do. Um, a lot of localized flooding, particularly in our city of Jackson, we have a lot of urban creeks that run through Jackson, and they're clogged with debris and trash. Um, so that's going to cause just some localized flooding just from that fact. Uh, let's get a phone call in. We will go to... Calhoun County, and welcome Dudley to the show. Good morning, Dudley. Good morning. I really do appreciate the subject this morning because I live on the Schooner River, and people just absolutely go across the crossing on 341 and throw everything into the river. But my main concern is, and I would like some help and advice, 
We are losing tons and tons of topsoil sloughing off of the sides of the Schooner River. And I have called, I've begged, I've talked to county, all kinds of agencies, and nothing seems to work. Nobody has any money to help us with this, and it is just completely destroying acres of land. Is there um, any way you could help us with that? Dudley, do you know um, who who holds ownership of that land? Is it all private uh, land? No, it's well, it is private land, but it, the Schooner River runs from Pontotoc through Chickasaw County into Calhoun, and then into Grenada. Yeah, it's a serious problem. You know, we don't talk about soil erosion <clears throat> as much as we used to, but it's a tremendous problem, it is. and it's a Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, the EPA says that um, sediment uh, impacts are actually their worst water quality problem right now because a lot of people are, are having that same issue. And so what they need to do is plant uh, a riparian zone, it's called. So um, plant some vegetation along those sections to hold the topsoil in because not only is uh, you're having all the runoff, but the sediment brings bacteria and heavy metals into the water. So um, what I would recommend, um, I don't know if you contacted Mississippi Extension Service, uh, but you probably have an extension office in your area and see if perhaps they could help you. All right, Dudley, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll stay on the phone lines. And next we've got Jerry in Madison. Good morning, Jerry. You're on the air with us. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Abby, this is Jerry. I'm actually the one that found that skull last year. <laughs> Fabulous. I thought it was a cucumber skull, but you're saying bear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm you know, this year I'm going to help at the uh, Fanny Cook area. Yeah. Oh, good. good. On Saturday, yeah. will that gate just be, you know, will we be able to meet there and drive in? Or what's the breakdown on that? Yes, so thanks very much for last year, and thanks for your help again this year. So the Fanny Cook Natural Area, we were super excited last year about having a team there, and again this year. So um, if anyone's interested, that is a great site to join on because that area is not open to the public right now. So this would be the only way that you can go in and check it out and also help clean it up before it does open to the public. So um, we have a great gentleman named uh, David Felder, who's your site leader there at Fanny Cook, and um, he will coordinate. Last year, y'all met, um, they met at the um, Flowood YMCA, and he will have the key for the gate, and y'all will go in um, and hopefully have a fabulous day. But make sure you wear uh, bug spray and wear long pants and heavy boots when you're going down into the Fanny Cook Natural Area. Thanks oh, very excellent. much. So it goes down off. I mean, there's you know, way to get down in the river. Is there drainage into the river there? Oh, yeah. That's frontage all along the river. Yeah. Okay, excellent. All right. All right uh, well, thank you. Jerry, thank you. Thanks for your call. And again, thanks for what you do to help out. So uh, a little bit of a geography. Where is the area that he was talking about? That's the area that I've been talking about a little bit, too, that we named for Fanny Cook. And it starts a little bit north of the bridge there at Lakeland mm-hmm. and goes just a little bit south of the spillway. It's 2,700 acres, so it's a big piece of land. That's what we were talking about, bigger than Central Park. Wow. And it, it's um, mostly beautiful land. It needs to be rehabilitated. It, it's um, a mitigation property for MDOT. And okay. so right now we're just doing restoration mitigation work on the land. 
and uh, there's been a lot of heavy cutting there. There are some erosion issues, a lot of things that are being addressed. But there are also some absolutely gorgeous swamps in there, and some really we've we're starting to cut nature trails along the way. And actually, it's not cutting a new trail. Generally, it's uh, it was heavily logged yeah. years ago, and um, International Paper sold the land several years ago now, and on the old logging roads, what's remaining of them, we can open up and um, making some pretty nature trails. So that's but there east, is a lot of trash. East, you know? On the east side of the river. On the east so, side, yes, right. thank you, the Rankin County right. side. And you can see that uh, quite clearly when you're flying in, uh, coming in and landing if you come in that way on you know to the airport, so you can actually see that Yeah, area. you really see the good and the bad of the right. Fanny Cook natural right. area when you fly in. If you're in daylight. All right, uh, we need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with Abby Brayman. She's our guest this morning, founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. Dr. Major here ready to take some pet questions as well. We've been uh, vexing you with uh, Pearl River trivia this morning. We talked about where the Pearl River forms, how long it is, and so the final question, where is the mouth of the Pearl River? And if you were listening closely, you might have gotten a hint about that earlier in the show. We'll be back with more Creature Comforts right after this. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Abby Brayman, who is the founder of the Pearl River Keeper Organization. So we've been talking about the efforts that she and her group do uh, to keep the Pearl River clean. Uh, before the break, we asked you where the mouth of the Pearl River is, and it is Lake Bourne, which is west of Picayune. So a little bit of Pearl River trivia to go along with our show this morning. Uh, before we get back into things, uh, Kathleen's been holding on for us. Appreciate your wait. Kathleen, go ahead. You're on the air. Kathleen, are you with us? All right. Maybe we'll hope we get to her on uh, before the show is over. Um, so, Abby, we've been talking about some of the programs of the Pearl River Keeper. Uh, something coming up September 15th, the Pearl River Clean Sweep. If you would, tell us about that. Yes. So that is our giant yearly cleanup. Um, we have 30 different locations where you can volunteer. So if you live anywhere within uh, 15 of Mississippi counties that run along the Pearl River and two um Miss, uh, Louisiana parishes. Um, if you go to www.pearlriverkeeper.com, uh, right on the home page, you can click on register for the Pearl River Clean Sweep, and it'll take you to an information page with all the information about our different locations, um, information on uh, what you might want to think about and how to prepare for the cleanup. Um, but it's pretty much a drop-in, drop-out, so if you want to come by just for an hour, if you want to stay for longer, last year we had a team that led from left from Jackson Waterworks, and they went south on the river and were on there for 12 hours wow. <laughs> in their kayaks and canoes. But you do not have to do that. You can come by for just an hour. You can clean up on land if you want. Um, there are still some location, some kayak rentals available from Pearl River Kayaks um, north of the reservoir. They're cleaning up a beautiful part of the Pearl north of the reservoir. There's also at um, Pelahatchie Bay, 
Jacktown Paddle Sports is going to have stand-up paddle boards. So if you want to stand up paddle board <laughs> and clean up, then uh, you can take that opportunity to get out on the river or the reservoir and um, do your community service at the same time. Um, so for maybe someone that's the, the interested in this and has not volunteered before, uh, you advised uh, the Jack who called in, I think it was his, or was it Steve from Madison? Anyway, bug spray, but what are some other things that maybe a beginner that's not done this kind of work before might want to think about preparing to, to be properly, to be able to do it well? Yes. So it depends if you're going to be out on the water or on land. Um, some of the land-based locations, and it does tell you on the website what the location is going to be like. So if you're a land-based, um, usually long pants and shoe, and uh, rugged shoes, um, some sunscreen, a hat, that kind of thing. We ask that everybody brings a reusable water bottle, no plastic water bottles, because that's what we find mostly. Um, so, um, and we will have uh, litter grabbers for you. We'll have plastic bags. When you show up at your location, we ask that everybody register online before they come so we know how many people are coming to each location also so that you can sign a waiver. Um, but once you register for a location, you will have a site leader. And when you show up at your location, your site leader will have a Pearl River um, T-shirt on. And so you'll just get checked in with them, and they'll give you your supplies. And, and you can bring your kids. Um, they totally actually have uh, a lot of fun. We've had some siblings come out, and it's a little rivalry on who can collect the most <laughs> trash and that kind of thing. So it's a lot of fun. But also, again, that's a, certainly a good way to you know teach children about proper respect and, and, and care for our natural resources. And, you know, we've talked so much about this on the show, but Mississippi is so blessed to have all these natural resources, but we really do need to be diligent to keep them so for generations to come to enjoy as well. Yes, exactly. Uh, here we have another uh, email, uh, pet question. Uh, it says, uh, I drive a school bus and one morning, well, not really a pet question, but an animal question. But anyway, I drive a school bus and one morning a few of my students and I saw a hawk-like bird that was completely foreign to us. The wingspan was about 24 to 28 inches. Uh, it was not long and narrow, but a little wider like an owl. The back of the bird was dark blue, maybe a little darker than a blue jay. It also had spots on the back. They were light colored, maybe white or yellow. We saw it for several seconds, but not long enough to get a picture. Plus, I'm not allowed to use my cell phone on the bus. I've looked on the internet at hawks, owls, and eagles to no avail. My son thinks it might have been a young golden eagle with the sun reflecting, making it look blue, but its back wasn't to the sun. Any ideas on what this might could possibly be? Oh, no. <clears throat> Does she say where she was? Uh, he, David, in Kosciuszko. In Kosciuszko. Um, unlikely to be a golden eagle because that's they're pretty rare in the state. Uh and I don't know. I'll do some looking around. You might give me that, and I'll see if see if see if we can get some better birders than me on that. We'll talk to a few people at Jackson Audubon and see if they can maybe come up with some ideas of what it might have been. All right. And uh, now is the time to, for me to always insert my witty comment. You find the golden eagles down there in Hattiesburg. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Yes. <laughs> uh, Abby, just a couple minutes left. Is there another uh, program uh, that maybe you could quickly tell us about? Um, yes, yeah, so all of our programs are online at ProRiverKeeper.com. Um, we have another group that we're working on right now to improve uh, Lynch Creek, which is a creek that runs through uh, the city of uh, West Jackson. Uh, we're working with uh, Urban Forestry Council and also with the University of Mississippi. Um, we have tons of urban creeks that run through uh, our city of Jackson. Um, and 
the Lynch Creek in particular is not even meeting the lowest water quality standards for aquatic life support. So we want to get that thing cleaned up. And we have um, the great thing is there is a local elementary school and also uh, a church there on the um, on the creek. Uh, the church has bought some property recently. Um, so there's a big project going on there. And so if you want to follow Pearl River Keeper on social media or um, go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, we'll have some opportunities about going out and uh, helping out and uh, restoring, doing some restoration on that area. All right. Um, Libby, could we got a couple of seconds left here if you want to maybe highlight some of the, the um, events you told us about. Yeah, earlier. and I got another event there, Clarksdale, at the um, – Quapaw Canoe Company building, John Rusky's building. Uh, they've got a, a new exhibit about waterways. Well, I guess a new exhibit. It's the same exhibit that was in uh, at the Pascagoula River Center a few weeks ago. And so it's traveling around the state, and it's going to be in Clarksdale. They've got a lot of activities going on there in Clarksdale about the river, so the big river this time, the Mississippi River, and uh, about watersheds in general, and it's a great exhibit, and he's got speakers coming in over the next few weeks. I'm going to be up there on the 22nd, no, on the 15th, in fact, on the cleanup day, Uh yeah, to talk about um, watersheds. Okay. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, funded and provided in part by... Listeners just like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest, Abby Brayman, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next, it's the Swan Song, the final broadcast of MPB's Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.